Good afternoon, everybody. This is Corey Hepler for the Crazy Monkey Inc. podcast. I'm your fantastic host, sitting across from me, as always, the ever-beloved Captain of the Stars, Darren Creator, Jared Gifford. (laughs) Jared, how the fuck are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. And hey, you know what? You're always, you're always magnificently introducing me, but you know what? We got a fantastic host here with Corey Ruhepler, creator of the Adventures of Taxi Cab Joe, one of the best action series, in my opinion, to come out in comic books within the last ten years at least. That's right. Even though it only has one issue, <laughs> it's okay. So far, you, 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 here's the thing. Every every series has to start with one issue. Exactly. <laughs> That's how everything starts at the beginning. At the beginning. <laughs> While we're talking about the beginning, oh yeah, let's get to the beginning of some announcements. Oh yes, we've got plenty of awesome stuff coming up. In fact, you just barely had read about an announcement yourself. Yes, <laughs> Furious is literally. So close to being done, it's down to the wire. Oh, yeah. Um, Raz, had, I, I believe, sent you a post. And um, and uh, I guess um, both Brian Glass and Samir Samal are in the final stages of Furious. Some new pages have just been sent in. Yes. And if you know Brian Glass, uh, if you are familiar with his work, the thing is, he's always... Um, never been one of those monthly guys. Yeah. Like, like I like. But here's the whole thing. Everything he comes out with is always quality. So even though you have to wait for his stuff, he always makes it worth it because it's always got stellar art, great storytelling. So in this case, it's worth the wait. See, and Brian Jail Glass, and this yeah. is no slight yeah. to him at all, yeah. he reminds me of uh, the lead singer from Tool. Yeah, exactly. Same, same thing with them. The thing is, you know, it's like it's long periods between Tool albums. Yeah. But as we know, whenever the new Tool album drops, you know, whether it be, you know, five years from now, ten years from now, or twenty years from now. Or when we're dead. Or when we're dead. <laughs> yeah. The, the, Tool, the Tool album that was that was recorded by their grandchildren. Um, exactly. But uh, The Toolettes. <laughs> But, but the whole thing is, you always know that Tool's going to come out with a quality album, no matter exactly. what. No matter how many years you have to wait for the next one, it's always good. And it's always worth it. And that's the same thing with Brian. Yeah. You know that he puts his heart and soul in making sure that mm-hmm. it's just amazing every time it comes out. Yeah. I mean, look yeah. at the Mice Templar comics. Yes, exactly. As you know, look at those. Look how gorgeous those are. Oh, yeah. And he took tons of time on it, and that's why. Exactly. So the whole that's the whole thing. It's like, I love the Mice Templar. I mean, I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually re- rereading it. Um, finally finished Volume 3. And hilariously enough, Volume 3 is actually not the third compilation, because the way he did it was he had, like, Volume 1, Volume 2.1, Volume 2.2, Volume three, so technically, what I what I would be reading would consider the fourth volume. Exactly. And uh, and then and then, but then he's got <laughs> volume four point one, four point two, and then volume five. So I still got three more volumes. I still got to buy and read through. But I mean, like I said, it's been awesome. It's been a great ride, and it's one of those things that. So technically, even though it says it's a five, it's it's five volumes. It's technically seven volumes. I look at it like. I look at the volumes of what Brian Jail Glass has done for Mice Templar. Yeah. Kind of like how Stephen King did with The Green Mile. Yeah. He came out with seven mini-stories. Yeah. And then he came out with the actual book when the movie came out, which was genius. Yeah, exactly. So it's not done out of sporadicity. It's done out of pure genius as to why Brian does the things he does and how he does it. Well, I know it's it. It's a great story. No matter what, you're always getting a great story with him. So the whole thing is, is that if I'm going to get something that's worth reading, I, I'm not, I have no problem waiting for it. That's the whole thing. It's like, I would rather wait for something that's great than to get something immediately that's mediocre. Yeah, because if you look at the stuff that's mediocre, it might look good and it might read semi-decent. But the thing is, if you didn't take the time 
in yeah. making it and putting all mm -hmm. the love and nurturing in it, yeah. people are going to be able to tell. Exactly. The whole thing is, is what you do with your product reflects uh, in, in how much time you spent on it. That's the whole thing. It's like, or, or, well, I guess that's probably not fair because people can work really fast and do really, really well. But I guess the better way to put it, the better way to put it is you can tell when someone's put their heart and soul into something. Exactly. You can tell when there's been effort in there. So whether it, whether it's really short or it's, or, or it took them a long ass time to get that done, what, what matters is you can tell. You can tell what, whether they put their all into it. You can just, I mean, you really, it's with everything. Every kind of read material, you know, or even movies, video games, whatever. Yeah. You can, you, you can tell which are the ones that somebody just basically spent a few hours on um, and and didn't really invest much in it. Mm -hmm. Or you can tell the ones that really just kind of wanted to build an entire world. Um, and like I said, whether it came out quickly or it came out after a long period of time, you can just tell whether they put their, their all into it. And another creator that's just like Brian yeah. that comes out with just as superb comics is Stefano Cardicelli. Yeah. He may not come out with stuff on a regular basis, but just like Brian, when yeah. he comes out with it, you know that it's like cream of the oh, crop type stuff. That one, that was also part of the announcement. So it was exactly. Because uh, for those that don't know, um, both Corey and I had, had uh, I think it was I think it was just yesterday or the day before. Yeah. Uh -huh. But uh, but there had been a post uh, recently by uh, by Raz um, on Stefano Cardicelli's progress. He is near completion on the Romeo and Juliet graphic novel. Now, here's the cool thing: we've been able to see. Oh, and I invested and snippets. in that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she Bits and snippets and pages yeah. of the Romeo and Juliet River of Blood graphic novel. Oh, yeah. I gotta tell you, if you're not a fan of Stefano's art, you need to go to the Crazy Monkey Inc. website. Up, But you have to go to the yeah. Indie Planet one first because our website's down uh, unfortunately right yeah, yeah 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 for, for the moment uh, <coughs> well, um, uh, for, for the moment we we uh we have to uh we have to fix some technical issues but so, but that doesn't mean you still can't buy our comic just go directly to indie planet look up any one of our comics you know look uh, uh in fact in fact if you look up crazy monkey inc there actually is a specific um, section for yeah. our titles there. They have a specific um, page just for all of our comic books. Yeah, yeah. Or if you want something specific, yeah, you can just look up maybe titles of our uh, of specific comics. Like, yeah, because they're on there too. Yeah, it's like uh, you can look up the Adventures of Taxi Cab Joe. Mm -hmm. It's on there. You can look up Darum. You can look up Midnight's Avenger. Uh, whichever, whichever is your Crazy Monkey Inc. comic of choice, you can find on any planet. So exactly. Now with Stefano Cardicelli. Sorry to make this so long. Oh, no, go ahead. <laughs> I read his Atoli's Finder and his yeah. Cherry Bullet. Yes. And they're so well done. Oh, yes. Uh, the thing is, I completely agree with you. I mean, I had actually uh, um, got myself copies of those myself. Yeah. And uh, and I was reading them because one of the things that intrigued me was the fact that uh, um, I found out that he, that, that he had done some stuff for Heavy Metal Magazine. Yeah, and for those that don't know, Heavy Metal Magazine is like one of the best sort of indie uh, indie comic uh, magazines out there. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of stuff in there that I would was very adult. Uh -huh. So it's I mean it's not like it's just you know gratuity for for its own sake. Yeah, it's what it is is it's just basically comic books that you wouldn't want to necessarily show your kids, but. But um, it's something like, what would you do with Adventure Detective Joe? I think Adventure Detective Joe would fit extremely well into Heavy Metal magazine. Yeah. And anyway, that had intrigued me. So when I found out about that, that he'd done that, I wanted to read his stuff. Say, okay, maybe this is the stuff like I read in Heavy Metal magazine. Yeah. And I can definitely say it is. Because I read Tolly's Finder, I read Shelly Cherry Bullet, and then after reading them, I was like, wow, okay, yeah. I can see that this guy wrote for Heavy Metal Magazine. Exactly. <laughs> now, we have a couple of more announcements. You have just started on the second issue of Ronin Brothers. Yes. And you and I have been talking about it for a couple of days. Yeah. I'm really intrigued as yeah. to how this is all going to unfold. 
Oh, yeah. Well, the thing is, is that um, I don't want to give too much away because I still want people to read it and enjoy it, but what I can say is maybe give a brief synopsis on it, um, is that with what I'm planning on with Ronan Brothers is that um, I wanted to start out like so many really good samurai movies or, or even so many good um, just kind of um, action series is that you got the first episode is just an introduction to the characters yeah and then it's just pretty much very little dialogue and a whole lot of action um but now this but, is this yeah. is kind of like yeah. a flop yeah to your darum because you've got um a lot of dialogue and a lot of action mixed in together yeah. Whereas with your Ronin brothers, there's very little dialogue, well, 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 and there's more action. Well, uh, in that first issue, yeah. in that first issue, because the, the first issue, I just wanted to kind of introduce who the characters are, why you should be invested in them, and then, and like I said, and then kind of establish the action right away. Now, this is what I was going to say. Starting with issue two, yeah. what I'm going to do is there's actually going to be some more dialogue in this, and now I'm going to weave a sort of picture... Um, create a picture in people's heads because um, what's going to happen is this is going to be based several years before and then it's going to show you what the stakes are and it's going to show you um, you know the, why the characters are traveling around like they are why the characters are fi trying to trying to fight this enemy that they're going after um, and, uh, and pretty much the whole sort of the whole background as to what happened. Yeah. So that's going to go that's going to go for about two or three issues and it's going to show basically um, you know there's there's going to there, you know it's I'm going to be showing sort of the build up to that okay. that and uh, uh, who who the enemies are, you know, um, and then and then what I want to establish in this comic book and I think I've said it when we talked about Ronan Brothers last time was um, if Darum had very much a father-son theme to it, I want Ronan Brothers to be, it's right there in the title, I want it to be about brothers. Yeah. I want it to have that kind of feel to it, that uh, basically anybody who's got a brother will relate to it, and uh, but then also it's relating to the spirit of brotherhood itself. Exactly, so it's got kind of like a a double meaning. Yeah, exactly. It's not just brotherhood in the familial sense, yeah. which is in there, but it's also brotherhood in sort of like we are one sense. And I really feel that with the with Ronan Brothers, you're going to get that type of feel, and yeah. you're also going to get a lot of action, a lot of excitement, yeah. a lot of twists and turns, uh -huh. and... Just like you do with Darum, yeah. the story is basically going to unfold in front of the reader, yeah. and they're going to have a fun time reading it. Hell yeah. And, and before we actually do get to the main topic of discussion tonight, I actually wanted to ask you, because I know you had a project in the works, yes. um, that uh, I, want, I, I want you to finally uh, to tell some people about it. I mean, I know we've touched on it before, but... I know that you're planning on doing an anthology um, series. Yes. A horror anthology series, of which I'm actually aiding you in this. Yes. Um, but uh, um, why don't you tell some people more about the anthology series that you plan on releasing? The anthology series that I plan on releasing is some short, and it's going to be interesting because I haven't done this before, so yeah. it's going to be new to everybody, including my ass. <laughs> it's going to be short comics that are 10 to 12 pages each. Yeah. And it's of one specific setting of a horrific event that happens to either a group of people or one person and how it unfolds. Yeah. And I'm going to want to be doing it kind of in an anthological type of matter so that yeah. there's maybe like five to eight stories per issue. Oh well, yeah, and uh, I think that's such a cool idea. And and, and uh, as I said, because uh, both you and I are doing it, um, I know that uh, the template you had set out that you were talking about is uh, you're gonna do five stories. I'm gonna do five stories. Yeah. And uh, you know, who knows? Who knows? Maybe at some point, and once again, uh, we'll I guess we'll see what happens. But who knows? Maybe at some point, 
Maybe other maybe other people will want to write short anthology stories for us. And that's one thing that I actually wanted to eventually develop. Yeah. Is a short horror anthology it would come out during Halloween time. Yeah. That would have like maybe ten to fifteen stories. Yeah. From different, different artists and different writers. Yeah. Um, kind of like those books that come out during Halloween time with Stephen yeah. King and Anne Rice, and they've got like H.P. Lovecraft with different stories that they've done. Or, or, or like one that was like old, old school book, and you remember this old, old school book they used to have back in the day, uh, like probably like the old Marvel anthology horror stuff. Yeah. Like, like the Tales from the Crypt. Yes. And so, if we can make an anthology of different writers horror stories yeah <coughs> into a comic book I think that's something that a lot of people will really enjoy I think so too I, I think it, you know, and that's what I say that's why I love your idea I mean it's a wonderful idea and, and to tell you the truth and this is where it's another reason why I think it's a brilliant idea it will help actually garner some attention to maybe some new talent exactly because here at Crazy Monkey Inc we're not all about just being a couple of people trying to make some great comics if we can find some great talent and bring them aboard yeah. and they can come out with great comics as well then by all means jump aboard yeah. but make sure that you're in it for the long haul because we're not going to have you for yeah. five issues and then you go off to somewhere else that's not what yeah. we're about that's, yeah that's the whole thing if you're going to be in uh, we want we, do, we want serious applicants only yes exactly as you said and that's the thing Always remember, if you're going to be in comic books, and Corey and I have both stressed this before, that if you're going to be in comic books, you want to be able to be, uh, to, you want to be able to have the fortitude to get through it. Because the whole thing is, is it's not one of those things that you, you know, you just release that one book and then you sell a million copies. It just, you know, that doesn't happen. That no. never happens. <laughs> and the thing is, the reason it never happens is because people want to see consistency in artists. Yeah. And yeah, Stephen King didn't even have that with Carrie. No, the thing is, in fact, he wasn't—he wasn't actually making money on most of his. Because the thing is, is like what a lot of people don't know is that, uh, and uh, I'm glad we're coming back to Stephen King. But what a lot of people don't know is his first few novels barely made him any money, and he uh, actually went in debt. Yeah, putting money into making yeah. his novels. Oh yeah, in fact, the distribution company that he was going through, or the publishing company publishing company was going through they were actually they were actually making more more of a profit off of his stuff than he was exactly yeah and so it goes to show you that you can come out with five six comic issues and yeah. make no money yeah but here's the thing while we are in it to make money because that's an end goal it, 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 it is a business it yeah. is a business we are first and foremost in it to tell a great story and yeah. because we love to write. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, the whole thing is, even when you're doing quote-unquote well, yeah. even the big even the big creators out there who are making a good amount of money, even they have problems that they have to deal with because the whole thing is, stresses don't stop once, you, once you're making a decent amount of money. Now, here's the whole thing. Now, it's good to be in an industry that you care about. That's yeah. always a good thing. But the whole point is, is if you really think that your problem's going to stop because you've got the job that you want, it's, that's totally unrealistic. You, you, you need to just stop the delusion right there. And I, I take a quote from what Rob Liefeld had said. Yeah. God bless the man. He's a good guy, and he comes up with great comics. Uh, he said, in an interview one time, he said, just because you come out with a good comic doesn't mean that you don't want to come out with another comic equally as well or better. Yeah. Here's the whole thing. Being a creator, no matter what it is, whether you're a writer or an artist or whatever, being a creator, the whole thing is, is people seem to think that, oh, you got this one great thing, isn't that wonderful? Now, while that might be good for some people, the whole thing is, is most creators usually have multiple projects they're tackling. Exactly. Because the whole thing is, then they have another idea that pops up. And here's the whole thing. All of us, being, you know, writers and creators ourselves, the whole thing is, is that you and I, I know this. The whole thing is, we'll get done with a story arc and maybe one comic book series, and I'm like, ah, I've got another really awesome idea, but I can't use it in this series. I need to make a different series for it. Exactly. And that's why you have creators that have five, six, seven, 
even yeah. ten different projects going on at once. Yeah. Because there's just way and, too and many it, damn ideas. And then sometimes <laughs> at multiple companies, you have people that yeah. will, you know, you'll have people that, yeah, they might actually have a good gig at DC or Marvel, but then they're also... Uh, bringing out titles from um, out of Image, or bringing out titles out of IDW, or bringing out titles um, out of Dynamite. Exactly. Yeah. So you 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 a have to have the fortitude to know <laughs> that you got to be in it for the long haul if you come into Crazy Monkey Inc. Yeah. And B, you got to be able to get along with people because if you can't get along with the people that are creating comics, it's going to be bad. Exactly. Exactly, no, and I, and I totally agree with you on that. Um, anyway, um, I, I feel this is actually a good way to segue into another great creator of worlds and creator of um, titles. And, and, exactly. And, and you and I actually, and, and I figure we were, uh, in, in keeping with the theme of what we were doing, because we talked about one of your favorite authors, Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Talked about one of my favorite authors, Frank Herbert. Exactly. I figured this now would be a good time to address an author that you and I both love equally. That we grew up on that's just really awesome. And, you know, if they don't know who he is, wow, what rock have they been living under? Probably the same one that Gollum lived under. But uh, yeah, but that's a good segue to say we're talking about J.R.R. Tolkien, known as the creator of the Middle Earth uh, exactly. book, series of books. I mean, he's written so many awesome titles The Hobbit, all three Lord of the Rings books. He's written The Silmarillion, mm-hmm. uh, The Unfinished Tales. Um, and so many other books right now that I can't remember the names of. <laughs> I know it's so it's so it's sad. Whenever I get put on the spot, I, I have the worst memory. Do you know that there's a lot of people that don't know that so that the Cimmerillion has to do with the Lord of the Rings series? Well, yeah, they um, think it's a completely separate story. Well, yeah, I mean the whole thing is is uh, Cimmerillion <coughs> was uh, was supposed to be based during a different period in Middle Earth's history. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, and same thing with, like, Unfinished Tales. Unfinished Tales actually tells the history of, of, like, of, of, like, Sauron and the One Ring and everything. And the Unfinished Tales is actually really interesting because if yeah. you read it, yeah, you really get to see how Sauron got the ring and how yeah. he just it overtook him. Yeah. And how he just became an evil bastard. Well, yeah, well, the whole thing is, <laughs> the whole point is, is that that's why he forged it. I mean, it was forged out of a lust for power anyway. Yeah, exactly. Because he wanted one ring to rule them all, as as, as it says in the books. The whole thing is, he, he wanted control and power. Now, granted, yeah, he turned even more evil once he had the power of the ring. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is it, 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 um, But I think that's... And, and you and I both talked about this. Really, that's the theme. When you look at The Hobbit, you look at The Lord of the Rings, you look at all those stories. The theme of it really is about how power corrupts. Exactly. And I think it's really interesting that um, when, you get, when you get such uh-huh. a story, um, you have to have an equally as uh, awkward and inspiring heroine yeah. In order to make this story fulfilling. And I yeah. believe that Bilbo Baggins uh-huh. fulfilled that promise through J.R.R. Tolkien's writing. Because yeah. you look at all the other different characters in fantasy and sci-fi and stuff like yeah. that. You say, okay, these are some characters that I can see doing this adventure. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, but well, Bilbo Baggins uh, is yeah. so out there that when Gandalf yeah. presents it to him, he's like, uh, no, 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 I don't well, think this is for me. Well, yeah, well, you, you <laughs> like, at first, uh, um, Bilbo Baggins was what most people would consider, um, sort of a homebody. Yeah. Not, not, not so much that he was lazy, but basically he was content in, you know, pretty much tending his garden, cleaning his house, you know, having a sort of domesticated life, but at the same time, he also, there was a part of him, and, and I remember reading this, there was a part of him that actually did yearn for adventure. He yes. wanted something more. Um, and, and sort of, when you look at it, Bilbo Baggins is really the template for what followed with people like Frodo Baggins. Yes. Um, Bilbo, Bag- it, Bilbo Baggins was the one that started it all. Basically, you had, and I love the idea about him, and they kind of, and I think George Lucas kind of explored this idea idea with Willow, um, was was that the fact that it didn't matter the size of your hero. No. Nope. What mattered 
was basically, um, you know, um, whether whether or not they could see it through. Did they have the strength to see it through? And this was coming from a time where you had, you know, you had some other tales that were coming out uh-huh. where the heroine was this big, strong, muscular guy, and uh-huh. you know, that's all great and all. But if you get an obscure character who maybe people wouldn't think that could do it, and then yeah. you finally put him through the ringer and yeah. find out that he can do it, it gives you such a wider range of an opportunity of a story yeah. that hasn't been told before. And I believe Tolkien did such a great job with it, oh, yeah. not only with um, bringing out the stories and the different um, the different people in yeah. the story, but you gotta realize, he was a smart man. He came yeah. out with his own language, he came out with his own writing. Well, he was a scholar, yeah. Exactly. The whole thing is, he had studied it all, because he was a college professor, certified college professor. Yeah, and he'd and, been doing and, that way before he even decided yeah. to start writing. Yeah, and as I said, he's just, as you pointed out, he, he made his own language and everything. But then also, something he did that was innovative was he made characters that were kind of against type at the time. Yeah. Um, he had these, like the hobbits were, were the heroes, and, and they weren't your typical hero type characters that you would have at the time. He's that big muscly guys or whatever. Yeah. But then he also, and once again, this was um, um, not very prominent at the time, he also introduced strong female characters in there as well. Exactly, because at the time, it was more of the strong male character yeah. that would journey so forth and, yeah, and, and conquer the land and yeah, all that other well, beings. Well, not to rescue the damsel in distress. <laughs> And, yeah. and then the whole thing is, is that no, Tolkien played against type with that one too, because not only did the men fight in that, but the women fought as well. Exactly. And, and then I mean, look, look at look at uh, look at Eowyn. Um, um, she was the one that um, actually fought. Um, uh, she was the one that actually fought the head. Um, God, what the hell were they called? The the guys that wore the dark armor and flew on the. The freaking uh, like dinosaur um, things. I can't remember. Um, well, the the ring race, the ring race. Yeah, the ring race. She 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 actually she actually she actually fought and killed the leader of the ring race. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. You know, if that doesn't scream strong female character, I don't know what does. Now I'm <laughs> I'm a fan of strong female characters. Yeah. Mainly in part because of how he wrote her, because she wasn't this kind of mamby pamby, yeah. petite little. Oh my God, save me from the big bad orky monster! No, she was like headlong. Let's get this bitch. Yeah. You know, she was like, she was when in the thick of it. Yeah. Right along with the guys. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, if I remember right, here's the link. There were never any damsels in distresses in um in any of J.R.R. Tolkien's writings. No, nope, At least were, from what I remember. They and, were just as prominent and as tough as the guys were. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, the men would fight and so would the women. They, exactly. were, they were on equal footing, and I like that. No, Nobody overshadowed the other. And, and, and I think that's actually really great storytelling right there, is when it's got something that appeals to everybody, because, you know, yeah, there is going to be somebody who... You know, likes the cliche and wants the big tough guy, but then there are going to be people that want the strong female character. There are going to be people that want maybe the short and stature character. Yeah, maybe the large and stature character, like like what they had with, like I mean, look look at the dwarf they had. You know, it was um, it was God, see, and I can't forget Gimli. Well, Gimli, thank yeah. you. Um, like with Gimli, Gimli was a very stout character. And he was built like a freaking house. Yeah, but the, my point is a short house. But that would. But one of my <laughs> point is, but that would appeal to somebody who had a similar stature. Exactly. Um, you know, somebody who maybe is not necessarily big, uh-huh. but it does. You know, it, it, they know that they have a very stout kind of stature. Um, and and you know, and 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 he appealed to them. But then, hey, they even had. But then they had the ones that, like. Like the pretty-looking people, like like you know, with the elves, you know, because the elves were very gorgeous-looking. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, but, uh, but as I said, something for everybody. Exactly. Now, um, 
If you can name them all, I'm going to give you so many kudos. I, I will like do for, my best. I would like for you, for the audience, to name every race in the Tolkien universe. Oh, wow. Well, they have the halflings, yes. also known as the hobbits. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and actually, um, they, they, what Gollum is... Interesting enough, I mean, he was twisted by the ring, obviously, but yeah. what he was prior to before he got twisted by the ring, Gollum was actually an offshoot of the halfling race. Exactly. He wasn't uh, necessarily a hobbit. Yeah. But he was kind of like a. He the, was like he was like a, he was like his race would have been considered like dis or not not dis but it would have been like cousins to the hobbits. Yeah, exactly. They were similar but kind of different. Yeah. Um. And anyway, yeah. So they're the halflings or hobbits. Mm -hmm. Um. They're the um. They're the elves. Yes. The elven race. Um. But then they have very. Uh. They have the, the wood elves and the high elves. Yeah. Um. The high elves were like the high priests of the yeah. elvish yeah. clans. They were. They were. Well, they were the magic users yeah. and, and the priests, as you as you put it, uh -huh. and uh, the, you know, the, yeah, the, the the high councils and whatnot. Mm -hmm. The wood elves were the were the warriors, yeah. were the fighters. Um. And uh, you see, so you have the um, you have the dwarves. And interestingly enough, and I'm going to point this out while I'm naming races. Yeah. Um. Tolkien was actually the one who stressed that that uh, he, that he wanted them to be called dwarves because he was saying that now while it had been established in popular myth prior to his book that they were called dwarfs. Yeah. I I kind of agree with what he said. He said it just it's 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 uh it's much easier to say dwarves than it is dwarfs. And it actually uh, it, it actually has a, a, um, a, a pleasing effect to the ear. There's more yeah. of a pleasing effect to the hear, ear when you say dwarves. I always get some kind of weird look on my face when I say dwarf. Yeah. When we say dwarves, it sounds yeah very masculine. Now, it well, sounds yes. Well, you want not, not, not really necessarily masculine, but what it is is, as I said, it just it sounds better. Yeah. What it really comes down to it because it's not even. It's not even gender about it. It's just more about more of it. Just sounds more pleasing to the ear. Exactly. Um, the whole thing is, is that dwarfs comes off as, as, I mean, you have to you have to stop and think. Dwarfs before yeah. you say dwarfs. Mm -hmm. Dwarves. I don't even have to think about saying that. I just naturally say dwarves, mm -hmm. and it's just so easy. But it also it takes me less effort to say it. Exactly. It's a lot easier. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so there, there, uh, there are dwarves. Um, there are orcs. There are goblins. Um, there are um, um, um. Hold on. There are orcs, goblins. Um, there are um, trolls. Um, wizards. Wizards. Um, let's see. Uh, the, uh, Ents, which uh -huh. are the tree people. Yes. Um. The Dragon Riders. Yes, the Dragon Riders, uh, um, or, well, basically they were the Ring Race. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, the Ring Race, of you, course. You had uh. the Dragon Race as well, because that's yeah. where Smog came from. Exactly, Smog exactly. Came exactly. From yeah, the well, well, of course, well, he was a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, there were the dragons, um, uh, they had the, um, I, I, God, I wish I remember their name, but I can see them in my head, and, <laughs> and, and I know them. But the, the the spider race that they had in there, but they didn't call them spiders. No. Uh, <coughs> um, For the life of me, it... yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and look that up. But I yeah. do remember the race. It was like it was they had a spider race. Um, there was um, let's see, um, trying to trying to uh, go through each and every one. Um, Oh, oh uh, and then they had the Urakai. Yes. Which was sort of a cross, which was a cross between um, be, uh, between orcs and goblins. Mm-hmm. Um, they had cave trolls. Um, um, oh, the Balrog. Yes. Yeah, the Balrog. That's right. Yeah. The Balrog was like, yeah, because he came from, from deep within the depths of Moria. Oh, yeah. Um, Balrog. Um, 
And, um... I want to... Oh, what the hell do they call them? There were those elephant-looking things, but they weren't called elephants, once again. They were, um, but they had, they were, they, they would use them for like ramming castles. And, yeah, uh, they used them in the Great War. Yeah, the Return of the King had them. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to go back yeah. and look on that one because yeah, yeah. I can't remember. Once again, I can, I can clearly see these races in my head, but the names sometimes escape me. Um, now I've got a question for you that I know audiences were wanting to know about. Yeah. What is one of your favorite books in the Lord of the Rings series? See, and that's really, really hard because I love <laughs> them all. Yeah. I love them all, and I, I'm so tempted to say all of them, but I know it's like... But to tell you the truth, I know a lot of people will say, Oh, why is that? Because they always think this one's boring, and they always will go... Most people will go for Two Towers of Return of the King. Yeah. I'm actually going to say that I'm one of those few people that might... Favorite in the whole trilogy has got to be Fellowship of the Ring. Well, that's because it started it all essentially. Yeah. It started the whole journey. It started the you whole. You got to know that. You got to know the characters. The Council and, of Nine. Yeah, yeah, and then and then come on, and, you know, seriously. When I was reading about the Ring race as a kid, and then I and then hell, at the time I was watching the um, Ralph Bakshi version of Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah, the cartoon. And God, those Ring races were freaking scary. They scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Exactly, I was I pissed my pants when I was a kid. Saw those things. Exactly. They and, were, when they, yeah. and when they decided to put them in live action, I think yeah. I shit myself. Yes, exactly. But that's what I'm saying is, I, I, I must say that one of the things that why reason why I love Fellowship of the I do is once again establish the characters. I like the setting. But then I'll admit. I really loved the whole pursuit of when the Ring Race were chasing after Frodo. Exactly. <laughs> now. One big prominent thing that I always loved about all of the books. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily about the ring. Mm -hmm. It was about the power that overtook the person who was wearing it. Oh, yeah. Well, it was, once again, it goes with that theme of what we talked about, power corrupts. Yeah. Um, so the whole thing is, is that the ring would eventually always overtake the person because what happened was basically the evil influence would have, would slowly start to take them. It happened with everybody who had who had um, had held the ring. It, it just happened with everybody. I mean, Sauron went from being pretty much a power-hungry man to an evil dictator. Yeah. Um, you know, but then King Isidore, who killed well, not really killed him, but helped helped get rid of Sauron. Yeah. Um, he was corrupted by the ring and became, uh, you know, and, and instead of Casting into the fires of doom, basically became an evil and corrupt person. Yeah, he did. Um, and then he was he was ambushed and killed. And then um, and then I think it had one other owner before beforehand. But then anyway, eventually Gollum found it. Yeah. And then Gollum at the at one time he was just kind of a, a, a sort of a petty thief. Mm -hmm. Um. And it corrupted him, and then he basically turned into a full-on murderer. Exactly. Um, and 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 in some ways cannibal because he would even eat his own kind. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and then and then and then when it went to Bilbo, Bilbo even started uh, the its corrupting influence was rubbing off on him, and which is why he ended up having to give the ring to Frodo. Yeah. And then Frodo, even when you look at it, by the end of it, and spoiler alert for those who have not read Lord of the Rings, but if you haven't, well, bone up. <laughs> so, thing is, is uh, if um, uh, the corrupting influence was felt on Frodo because when they finally reached Mount Doom, yeah, you realize, you remember, Frodo then just decided to give in. Frodo uh -huh. actually became evil for a short period. Yeah, he didn't want to throw it in. No. He, in fact, he in fact was content to just <coughs> wear the ring and let it corrupt him. Uh-huh. The, the only thing that saved him, hilarious enough, the saving grace was, was the, was, was the, um, was sort of the greed of Gollum. The greed of Gollum is what saved them because Gollum is the one who tracked him down, found him, and bit off his finger to get the ring. Exactly, and then he fell into into the fires. Yeah, he fell into the fires because he was too busy. Uh, he was too busy thinking he'd won, and so he danced his little jig, and then and then ended up inadvertently falling into the pit. So, 
inadvertently, evil destroyed evil. Yeah, evil destroyed itself. Yeah. Uh, um, and, uh, but, e but either way, it's just that, yeah, it, so, I mean, that's the whole thing. The ring was corrupting to whoever it came in contact with. And I think it actually corrupted Samwise for a bit, too. Um, yes, for a short period. Yeah. Um, because, um... Because he had tried to take on the burden that, uh, Bilbo... Or, or, or that, uh, that Frodo... That, 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 that Frodo had had, he said, yeah. I'll carry the ring for a little bit. I'll carry the... Yeah, yeah, and in fact, uh, well, well, no, in fact, uh, what happened was when, um... This, what happened was, it happened when, um... When Frodo had been, um... When Frodo had been captured by the orcs. Yeah. What happened, if you remember, he had, um... He had ended up getting caught by Shelob, which was the queen of the spiders. Yes. Um, or, I, and like I said, I can't remember what their exact race name You're was good. called. You're good. Spiders. But, but we'll spiders. just go with spiders, for lack of the fact that I can't remember. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, she, he had, uh, so uh, they'd helped, they'd, uh, so Frodo had been weakened by, by Shelob. Because of her poisons. Yeah. And 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 what happened was the orcs then came in, or um, and 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 then um, and then they captured Frodo. Uh huh. And what happened was this was when Samwise was separated from Frodo because he had actually gotten Frodo's ring. Mm hmm. And and yeah, there was actually a short period where 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 he was actually tempted. Because he and, and he was thinking that he could become uh, this great leader and he was going to unite the lands and whatnot. But no, you know what saved him? What saved him was the fact that he was not actually an ambitious man. Exactly. He was he was just content with a good life. He was uh -huh. not he was not an ambitious man. And so what saved him in the end was the ring couldn't corrupt him because um, Samwise had no ambition to be great. Nope. So he eventually gave it back to Frodo. Yeah. Well, no. And the, well, in fact, no. I mean, in fact, that's what, what it, how he was able to resist the ring until mm -hmm. he gave it back to Frodo. Yeah. Was the fact that he just realized, you know, he wasn't interested in ruling lands. He wasn't interested in becoming like a leader of armies. Exactly. He, none of that. And he didn't want to be a ruler. He was. He was just happy with being plain old Samwise Gamgee, who. Well, who who lived who uh, who who lived uh, lived with his family, tended his garden, and and just basically had a nice quiet life. Mm-hmm. Now, um, one thing that is to be mentioned about this series, yeah, is a character that I've loved ever since I read about him, which is way back in the day when I was young. I've still <laughs> read him. Is Gandalf. Oh yes, I mean Gandalf. Uh, Gandalf, uh, uh, you know, uh, first the Gray Wizard and then eventually the White Wizard. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, yeah, I, I mean Gandalf. I I like him because um, the thing is, is that if there's any template for wizards, it's Gandalf. Yeah. You know, any type of fantasy wizard that you see nowadays, any type of, usually the template is Gandalf, because J.R.R. Tolkien was very specific in how he was described. You know. And most thing about it, when you think of most wizards, you usually will think of guys that are dressed up and look like Gandalf. I mean, even if you want to go as far back as Merlin. Yeah. Most people will usually make a variation of Merlin based on what they think of Gandalf. Exactly. Now, before we end this podcast, mm -hmm. um, I would I know he's not here. But I know yeah. he's here with us in spirit. I'd love to personally thank J.R.R. Tolkien for bringing these stories about because not mm -hmm. only did they shape our childhoods, they gave mm -hmm. us... It, it, these are basically stories of hope. Yeah. Well, in fact, uh, um, if it's okay, yeah. um, I, I actually wanted to go... We always talk about our favorite kinds of books from certain authors. Of course. Um, I'd say... Um, and, and once again, we don't even have to make it a, a, a certain number. But just... Um, I'd like you to name off some of your favorite J.R.R. Tolkien books. Um, some of my favorites, um, The Cimmerillion is really one that hit home for me. Yeah. Because the story was so enthralling, and you could tell that he took time yeah. in creating the characters and the story 
that would eventually weave into the rest of the series. Oh, yeah. And you got to give it to the man because he, he can write in such a way that when you read his yeah. stories, you can tell that he actually cared about, you know, making a story that a dad or a mom could sit down and read to their children. Yeah. And have it be something that everybody could enjoy. Exactly. Uh, that's what I'm saying. It's like, uh, you know, the, the Hobbit is timeless that way. Exactly. And, uh, um, and, 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 and especially, and as, and as I said, especially Cimmerillion. Cimmerillion, I think, is really good because it, <coughs> it gives you another period in Middle Earth's history. Because if, for those who don't remember, um, both the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings books were actually based on what they called the Third Age. Yeah. So there, that means there had to have been a First Age, a Second Age. Uh-huh. And then eventually what happens at, at the end of Lord of the Rings, you started into what was known as the Fourth Age. And I believe the Cimmerillion was part of the First Age. Um, yeah, I believe. It was, yeah. about, it was like, it was like uh, uh, the early, early Middle Earth history. Exactly. Uh, and in fact, uh, um... The unfinished, the unfinished tales, which is actually one of my personal favorites as well, goes into stories from each age. It goes into a story from the first age, the second age, and the third age. Exactly. Um, it kind of clumps them all together. Yeah. And he weaves it really well. It's not just yeah. like all jumbled together. Yeah. Each story weaves right into the next one. Oh yeah, exactly. And it actually is kind of a good precursor. Like if you write, if you want something, it's a good precursor to um, Lord of the Rings. I mean, other than The Hobbit. Yeah. I mean, let me put it this way. The Hobbit is good because you basically have a passing of the torch from Bilbo to Frodo, and you have that sort of Baggins legacy going. Uh-huh. So if you want that, yeah, definitely go in that order. But another one to, I'd say, to read in addition to in addition to reading The Hobbit, read, unfin- uh, read the Unfinished Tales because of the fact that, um, because of the fact that they um, show you when Sauron rose to power and then the corrupting ring and, and over the ages. Yes. And, and and it really connects it really well. Now, um... So, so I guess that, that I guess that's probably our personal recommendations. Yours is Silmarillion and mine's Unfinished Tales. Now, um... <laughs> one thing that I got to see as a comic yeah. come out Ooh, was... They I think had, I know what you're talking about. They had done... A Lord of the Rings comic. Oh, no, it was The Hobbit. No, it was The Hobbit. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. The Hobbit. Yeah. And I read that, and I was like, this is really cool. It's a really good adaptation, isn't yeah. it? I mean, I-, I was skeptical at first because, yeah, I was like, oh, they're going to they're gonna butcher it because it's not going to, you know, because since it's a comic book, it's never going to, you know, it's not going to capture the essence of that novel. But my God, you know, I read that thing. I became a believer right away. <laughs> So that would be my comic book recommendation yeah. right away. Oh right yeah. In fact, yeah. In fact, if we're gonna go into recommendations, that's what I'm saying. I mean, no. I mean, that's that's another. That's one of one I would recommend. The um, the Hobbit um, comic book or, or graphic novel adaptation. Yeah. Um, another one that's really good, and I know it's not J.R.R. Tolkien, but that's fine. It's still keeping with the fantasy one. I would suggest the graphic novel adaptation of The Last Unicorn. That was actually really well done, yeah. because The Last Unicorn not only is a timeless story, yeah. but the graphic novel is just gorgeous to look at. Oh yeah, it's great, and that's what I'm saying, is I think it's really awesome, and um, and personally, you know, I just want to throw it in there, because it's another great classic novel adaptation, uh-huh. um, and, um, and and so that's what I'm saying, it's like, no, and... and um, so I think that kind of they both work well off each other, Hobbit and and the uh, Last Unicorn. They do. And uh, I guess uh, um, another another novel I would recommend is also in, in the fantasy-ish vein. Yeah. Um, besides Unfinished Tales, um, just one last one, and then and then uh, we can wrap it up. You're um, good. I wanted to um, actually recommend the book that started it all, The Hobbit. The thing is, The Hobbit is the one that my dad read to me as a kid, got me into the whole, um, uh, got into the whole J.R.R. Tolkien universe, got me exploring other books and reading them. Huh? Just like how my dad got me hooked on the Doom series by reading me the first Doom book. Exactly. He got me hooked on J.R.R. Tolkien by reading me The Hobbit as a, as a kid, and, you know, and I'm always going to be grateful to that. And in fact, I'm going to go slightly further and not only recommend... 
reading The Hobbit, but I would also recommend that uh, before, uh, before uh, and these are the ones that I don't know if people recommend them much anymore, but it's like, you know, I'm sure that almost all of, all of our listeners have, have seen The Hobbit uh, live-action movies and seen the Lord of the Rings live-action movies. But what I'm going to suggest is Go go back, and this is what you and I got as kids. Are you talking about the seventies? Yeah, um, yeah. Watch watch the Rankin watch the Rankin Bass Hobbit movie and and Return of the King movie, and then watch the Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings movie. Exactly. But not in that that order. And yeah, the, yeah. You know, the order you want to do is the Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, and then Return of the King. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, but but especially that. That Ralph Bakshi one. Yeah. Ralph Bakshi, Lord of the Rings. It's just like that. That that pretty much is one of the best animated fantasy movies I've ever seen. If you're a fan of Bakshi like Jared and I are, yeah. I think that you're really gonna get the essence of what he did with mm-hmm. Tolkien's story, because mm-hmm. he took the book yeah. and he made it an animated movie, yeah. and it was just. Like ten times as good as the book. Oh yeah, and and I think that's probably a, a good good place to stop. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you know, that's that's everything I would recommend. Mm-hmm. Once again, I'm gonna go back, read. It, uh, it, it, re, if you read anything J.R.R. Tolkien, I would suggest starting with The Hobbit, just because that's really the book that started it all. Yeah. And then, as I always will say, yeah. um, the Cimmerillion for me because it just. It's just an amazing story, and for me, it started it started the journey of how Sauron became a corrupt little bastard. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so I guess uh, right before we end it, we can basically let people know once again. Uh, the Crazy Monkey Inc. website is down, so please go directly to Indie Planet. You can look up our comic books there. You know, ch- uh, check us out, Crazy Monkey Inc. Or if you want something specific, just you know, either type in Adventures of Taxi Cab Joe or Darum or Midnight's Avenger or, or Furious or whatever you're looking for. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, and yeah, just just right now, go to Indie Planet for all your Crazy Monkey Inc. comic book needs. Exactly. And as always, Jared, yeah. it's been fantastic having you on the show. Yeah. You've got a wealth of knowledge that. <laughs> I think Wizards was would want to tap into. <laughs> I, I'm just passionate about what I like. Exactly. Little Gandalf man. <laughs> anyway. Guys, have a fantastic week. Do yourself a favor and pick up these books. Yeah. Read them to not only yourselves. If you got kids, read them to your kids. Read them to your dogs. Read them to your <laughs> neighbor's dogs. Read them to dogs' dogs. Yeah. Read them to your cats. You know, read them to oncoming traffic. <laughs> so listen. But just embrace the fact that Tolkien brought about a style of storytelling that, it, in my eyes, will never be matched. Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, no, and 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 that's and I completely agree with you. <laughs> that's the whole thing is that uh, there are just certain authors that you you're never going to get them again. And J.R.R. Tolkien was to me. A uh, you know frozen in time, you know. Exactly. You're never gonna get another J.R.R. Tolkien. And with that, have a beautiful day, and we will see you later. Uh.